Coming up on today's show. Silence does this weird thing and kind of strips all the senses down to this space that you have in the room that isn't tangible, but you can feel it. And there's something about the energy that is sent up towards stage from quiet, silent audiences. Welcome to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Get in touch with me by writing to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you can DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Joining me today on location in Nashville, my guest is a singer, songwriter, guitar player who just released a duet with Jay Allen of Oh Holy Night. She had also released two singles earlier in 2023, and her Spotify wrapped numbers for this year show well over 900,000 streams of her music on that platform alone. Just announced is that she will be part of country superstar Lee Bryce's tour in February and March. Early 2024 will also mark the release of a duet with another A-lister that she will reveal today. She has earned numerous accolades, including being named Artist to Watch by People Country Magazine, New Artist to Watch 2023 by Holler Magazine, and Nashville Music Guide's Artists to Watch 2023, among numerous others. You've been hearing a song that will be released in early 2024 called While We're Still Friends, featuring Lee Bryce. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Allie Colleen. Hi, Bruce. How are you doing? Wonderful. Wonderful. Thanks for being here. Happy to be here. Let's start off by having you share about this excitement that is the song that was just playing during the intro, While We're Still Friends, which not only features a household name in country music, but he even co-wrote it, plus he co-produced it with another guy that everyone knows. Tell us all about that, especially since I was talking over it and the audience couldn't hear the lyrics unobstructed like you and I would have liked. I um, I just have this way of finding my way into rooms that I'm not sure how I got there, <laughs> and that's kind of this entire project. Um, while We're Still Friends means the absolute world to me. Um, Lee's wife, Sarah, is a co-writer on this song as well. And so Sarah and Lee and I just kind of sat down to just talk about what mattered to us. Um, and so this song was a really hard one for us to write, um, but a really challenging in a good way. And then when Jared Neiman and Lee Bryce came together to, to produce some songs with me and stuff, um, it just kind of bloomed from there. I remember asking Lee if he would just, if he just wouldn't mind maybe adding like some harmonies since he was a writer and everything, I thought how cool and our voices are really pretty together. Mm -hmm. I thought this would just be a treat for me if you would just think about doing some harmonies on the song for me. And when I came back into the studio and I heard what Lee had done, he added this really, really special feature um, that I'm just so honored to have him on with. But while we're still friends is just that weird tension place of a relationship where you just know it's, it's going to have to come to an end soon. So like while we still love each other and while we're still good and while we're still, you know, kind of in this, let's find a way to, to, you know, kind of let this go. 
you're giving me that little cry right here in my throat, <laughs> the way you're describing it. And I, I loved the song audience. I'll be anxious for that song to be released in early 2024, because this is one of those songs that I gush about. And if you've been listening to my show long enough, you know that when I hear a song that I really like, I go out of my way to say it. And I always add the disclaimer that when I don't gush about a song, it doesn't mean that I don't dig it. It's just more of a statement about the ones that I really do like. And, and this one is, is really great. When you say it was challenging for us to write, do you mean because it's heavy subject matter or is it more just the creative part and, and the actual writing of it that was a challenge? It was really, really heavy subject matter. And as a songwriter, you know, in this town, everyone is so creative and brings in their own narratives and their own stories. And it just isn't very often for me that I'm sitting and writing a song with co-writers or by myself. That is just strictly my narrative and my life and, and what I'm going through at the time. And while we're still friends, honestly, kind of surprised me. I think I realized maybe midway through that song that this song was my life at the mm. time and, and that a decision was going to have to be made soon. Um, I was in a beautiful relationship at this time that was just kind, but it just, again, it wasn't going where it was supposed to go. And that was something that I'd known for a while, but you come home and you know, your partner asks like, this song is a little questionable. What's it about? And you go, Oh, that's a co-writer's idea. No big deal. Nothing. <laughs> and that kind of caught up with me on this song, you mm. know, in this song, it was very, very obvious to me midway through that, that this one was about me and that I had to, I had to make a change in my life. So this one was tough for me. And so the flip side of that is being a songwriter and being in a relationship and feeling it going that way and saying to yourself, darn it, this is going to end up being a song. And this is the one moment when I wish I could turn off the songwriter in me and deal with what I'm going through here in this relationship and not have this voice back here going, exactly. Hey, this is going to be a song. It's beautiful. And it's, it's, it's very like, it's a big trial, I think for songwriters alike to go through that because some things you don't want to romanticize, you know, some things are just hard and some things just, you don't want to have to go through and you're exactly right. And I don't know that I've really had too many people acknowledge that side of that creative brain of just like, I really wish I could sit with this, but unfortunately I'm going to create something out of this, but I'm, I'm very glad that we did. And it's not too different from, you know, I talked to so, so many songwriters who say, that everything is fair game. And especially when they get in that writing room and you feel like you've written so many songs and you're looking for something new. And here's this thing in your personal life that you go, gosh, is nothing sacred? Mm -hmm. Meaning can't I just leave some of this stuff behind yeah. closed doors? And when you get in that room and people are searching for ideas, ultimately that's going to come out. Is it not? Yeah. I don't think we have that privilege, you know, I think if you decide to be a songwriter and you decide to be a songwriter who cares about what they're saying, I don't think you get to compartmentalize your life in that way. I think it would be healthy <laughs> maybe to get to do that. And I think that's obviously an open conversation with your, your co-writers that you can have. Um, but I just think when you become a creative in whatever it is, I don't, I don't think that I can only imagine that painters have to paint what's going on in their brains. You know what I mean? No matter what the color it is. And I think songwriters kind of have that same little, um, kind of plague, I guess that's again, an mm. honor to do, but some days you just, you wanted to write, you just wanted to write a fishing song. You know what I mean? And you're sitting here really having to dive into what's going on in your world. But you said that's a conversation you have to have with your fellow songwriters, but it's also a conversation you have to have with your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your mm -hmm. husband, your wife, whoever it is, because he, if he or she says, I don't want this ending up in some song. Then you go, whoa, I got a bigger problem than what's going to happen in the writing room. That's you and I need to work Absolutely. through this. If we're going to be in a long-term successful relationship, yes. 
Wow. Wow. Good start. Good start here. Allie, congrats too on the big news about being part of Lee Bryce's tour next February and March. If I'm wrong on this, please set the record straight, but I'm guessing this will be your biggest performance opportunity so far. And if I'm right about that, what had been your biggest performance opportunity so far? I think I'm in a very intentional way. I would agree with that. I think being a solo opener on a solo acoustic tour where you have this audience that is fully engaged in what you are doing, I think this will be one of our largest opportunities to really capitalize on an audience and show them who Allie is. Um, Maybe numbers-wise, we've had a lot of luck and a lot of success in like the festival world, Mm. you know, over that kind of thing. So maybe we're the 4 p.m. slot of a festival that had, you know, 20,000 people there Mm -hmm. kind of thing. But Mm -hmm. those people are drinking, they're buying merchandise items, they're partying with their friends. So this audience, um, I'm very, very excited about and just expect a lot of kind of intimate moments in these acoustic worlds that Lee has kind of provided for not only himself, but all the support of this tour. So I'm really excited. So Lee Bryce, his show is going to be acoustic also. Yes. The whole tour is acoustic. Yeah. So the Lee Bryce tour is me and my guitar, um, is his, is the title of his tour. So it's just him and his guitar and stories and stuff. And so as an opener, I get to do the same thing. So has it hit you yet about the venues you'll be playing in, the the big crowds? Does that excite you? Does it make you nervous? Maybe a little bit of both. And is there any wisdom that you can share with anyone who's listening that's an aspiring performer and tips of combating pre-show nerves? I think just naturally as humans, you feel how you feel. You know what I mean? So I don't really know how to encourage somebody to not be nervous or to not... Mm. Um, to not be anxious because I think that that means that you care. I think that's beautiful. I don't think you should lose that, but I think that I would encourage, um, artists and songwriters and performers and speakers, anybody, you know, alike that's in this kind of business to perform. You could be doing something else. You know what I mean? Like you get to go and perform for people and use this part of you that you have that is undeniable that you can't not do what about that is not just rock star. You know what I mean? Go and have fun, like go and enjoy it every moment of it and treat every single crowd exactly the same. If you can, you know, I think it really showcases an artist's ability and passion to treat an audience of 14, the same exact way that you treat an audience of 20,000 people as you treat an audience of 2000 people. Um, because at the end of the day, you're just, you're hitting who you're supposed to hit. You know what I mean? Mm. And, and that number could be anything. So don't sell yourself short on the small crowds and don't freak out about the big crowds and just enjoy yourself. Like this is a very cool ride, every single part of it. And I have to imagine that you're saying this all, you're practicing what you preach, that you go out and you tell yourself, I don't, if someone said to you, Allie, would you like to do X, Y, Z in February? You're not going to say, oh, I have to open for Lee Bryce. You'd say, I get to open for I Lee get Bryce. To. So you're probably going out there, like you said, and I've heard a few people before say, if you're not nervous before you go on stage, something's probably wrong. Yeah. I don't, I don't know that I'm not going to say that you don't care, but, um, and nervous can obviously, you know, embody a hundred different emotions as well. You know what I mean? So I don't think there's, if you're not shaking in your boots, I think it's okay. You know? Um, and I just, I think it's something again, just like you said, we get to do it. And when you look at this town alone, nonetheless, just our world of, of music, Lee could have had anybody on the planet, you know, be a part of this tour and it would have been just as successful and, and probably just as wonderful of a performance. It just would have been different. It wouldn't have been Allie, but it would have been somebody, you know what I mean? And so I'm just so grateful for the opportunity of this entire town, um, that this man allowed me, 
um, a slot in this tour with them. I'm so excited. And I'm picturing you kind of in the foxhole as a Las Vegas headliner once. He used that expression when I interviewed him. He was talking about getting ready to go on the stage. And I'm picturing Ali Colleen being in the foxhole and getting ready for them to introduce you. And you kind of having that nervous energy in the sense of excitement going, man, this is going to be great. Like, come on, introduce me. Let's go. This is so exciting. Yeah. So excited. I I don't know what it's like for, for other artists. I always think it's wild and beautiful and just different, different narrative than mine. When I meet people in this town who around 20 or so were like, I picked up a guitar and I loved it. And I thought maybe this is something I could do. I think that that's, I think that's the coolest thing on the planet, but that is not what mine was. I don't remember a time in life when I didn't want to do this and that music wasn't my world and my intent and my, my sole focus. So, um, Allie now is just as excited as little Allie in that foxhole. You know what I mean? So I bring her with me and I get to show her everything and I'm so excited. And we've came so far from, I shared a room with both of my sisters growing up. So there's three of us in one Uh. room. So I spent a lot of my time. I had a very decently sized closet. It wasn't like a little cupboard or something, but I spent a lot of my time in my closet with my guitar, like playing music because my sisters were always annoyed, right? Because I was being too loud or whatever. So I get to bring, I get to bring that little girl that played in a closet for That's years so on these tours. And I think it's the, the greatest honor on the planet. So I'm neat. so excited. If you're not allowed to reveal it, then you can somehow tactfully pass on this question. But I would think it's a foregone conclusion that you and Lee will do that song in the shows that you're opening for him. Or is it, we haven't discussed it yet. We haven't discussed it yet. So I'm not sure. And I don't know if it would be a situation where as an artist, in my experience, I understand that there's a lot of things to do on night of show. So I'm not going to be, um, ignorant enough to assume that Lee would come out during my part to do this song with me. Um, I pray that maybe he gets to call me out, you know, during my time that we're us to do this together. Um, but that is the beauty of while we're still friends and the way that we've done this is it does stand alone with just Allie if it has to, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, Lee's part in this song is again, very much a feature and, and something very cool for me and something that I hope we get to share with the audience. Um, but if we don't, it will not take away from the performance of this song for me oh, because for sure. I love this song. For sure. Yeah. As I teased in the intro, there's some other really big news for you as it relates to early 2024 which is the release of a duet with a major country artist. Tell the audience who that is. Can you narrow down the release date other than me saying early 2024? And are we to assume that you were a co-writer on the song, by the way? Um, so I wrote this song with um, Eric Dodd and Stephen Hunley. So we were kind of a little writing, little super team, we call ourselves. Um, and there was a song that we released uh, last year called Halos and Horns. And um, this incredible artist that's just taken off. And I mean, he's been doing amazing for years and years and years. But commercially, Jelly Roll has really made his presence, you know, this year and 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 the commercial world of country music, at least. And so... Um, I come from a very alternative side of, of, of music as well. I think a lot of my influences were very alternative driven. And so I, I wrote this song hoping that Jilly would want to be a part of it. Mm. So Jelly's not a writer on this. I would love him to be. We've kind of offered him some space in the track to add to it if mm. he would like to, um, for him to do a, a real, real Jelly like lyric feature. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's already claimed the second verse, which was my favorite verse also. So we might arm wrestle on it for a little bit, but we're, we're very excited, um, We've been in the studio working on it, and and as far as the plans go for 2024, I just don't want to speak too soon on anything, but it's just something that I've looked forward to, and I've really enjoyed the process so far of, of recording with him as well. Um, back up to a couple of things you said. He claimed the second verse. 
So when I, yes. So when I pitched this song to jelly, Mm -hmm. um, I said, this is a song that I don't know if you would like to take it and allow me to feature on it, or if you want to cut it outside of me, Mm -hmm. or if, if this would be something that you would allow us to do together. And, um, so I sent him the track and he listened to it and he said, I dig everything about this. Let's do this together. That second verse is mine. I see. So what that means, we're not sure yet. You know, we're still not sure if this is an Allie Colleen song that Jelly Roll's on, or if it's a Jelly Roll song that Allie Colleen's on, or how it's uh, going to be marketed. Okay. You know what I mean? Okay. But as far as like how we're structuring the song, you know, we've re- we've really enjoyed you know, doing that process, and it's been very cool. But you also said that you've invited him. In my eyes, I we all know you should never assume. I assumed the song was finished, even if it is finished. You're saying it's jelly roll, Bruce. We'll mm-hmm. let him go back. And so what does that look like? How, cause I'm, I'm thinking you're going to rewrite a verse, like help me through that of, of what, what, what would happen? Jelly originally comes from this context of kind of a rap country mm-hmm. and a very, um, again, kind of spoken lyric country. Um, commercially, I think, you know, it's been, he's been shown a little different, but he definitely has that rap country side in him. So what we did was we wrote this song, um, where in my opinion is finished if it needed to be finished, like it could be done as it is, mm-hmm. but where you would, where you would structurally place like a guitar solo, you know what I mean? Between the last two mm-hmm. choruses, mm-hmm. we've allowed him probably okay. a good four to eight bars to where if he wanted to instead write a rap part I for see. that, where jelly gets to become a writer and gets to speak his piece on this song. Um, cause this song is just all about like stating your place and that like, this is, I'm here to do what I do. You know, it's kind of what this song is about. And I think that's something that jelly speaks on really well. So if he wanted to, he could definitely write himself, um, you know, a, a two, three line, you know, verse yeah, for, for yeah. the song if he wanted to, but yeah. the song doesn't need it. So I, in my brain, the song is completed, but if jelly wanted to throw in some bars there, I would of not course, stop the man. Of course. And I think that's really cool that there was a vision for that. in when the song was written in such a way that if he doesn't do anything, the guitar solo will still mm-hmm. be appropriate. It will still it be can appropriate. Stand on its own. It will stand on its own. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's cool. That's cool. At the end of today's show, we're going to talk about your newest single just in time for Christmas. But for now, let's look back at earlier this year and a couple of singles you released, Tattoos and Honest Man. Maybe just a peek into the story behind each of those songs as well as who you wrote those with. Absolutely. Um, Honest Man um, was a song that I had worked on just personally for a very long time, just kind of trying to conceptualize what it was before I brought it to my writers. So I brought this song to Kate Hasting and Big Vinny and Lance Carpenter. So there's four writers on it, including me. And, um, honest man is just how I, as a woman would propose to a man, how I would ask a man to marry me. I think that the pursuit that men have culturally as an expectation, I think it's absolutely wild. I think it's, I think it's beautiful. I think it's very heroic. I think it's stoic. I think it's cool. You know what I mean? And, and I think as a woman who has always went and got what she wanted, I think that I would be so honored to meet a partner one day that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with and that I was bold enough to ask them to do that. And so Kate and I being females obviously worked all day on trying to find a way to do this that still made the men feel like men, you know, and still Mm -hmm. made them feel big and strong and masculine and everything. So we worked really hard on that with Honest Man and I, I think we did a great job. So that's kind of something you can look for in those lyrics of Honest Man when you guys go to listen to it. How did your male co-writers on that song react in terms of having to take a song that's done non-traditional in terms of societal norms. 
There was a lot of conversations of this character and who she was. And I think, first off, Vinny and Lance were immediately flattered and honored to be a part of a song where, where a woman would ask, you know, the, the question. So I thought that was very cool. Um, both of them being, in my opinion, very traditional styled men. So I thought that was very cool that they were just open to the concept and that they were flattered and thought it was cool and wanted to write it. But more than that, the only hangups we kind of had all day was the men saw this, this woman, this character as kind of a wild card, you know, as kind of this, this outlying woman mm. who was maybe a little, crazy, but in the best way, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And a little, a little wild and a little out there and a little tough and a little rugged and a little, that kind of thing. And so they kept painting her in that way. And it was very important for me to paint this woman as your everyday woman, you know, like this is something that all women want to do. Mm -hmm. This isn't a wild card. Women know what they want and they should be able to go get it and ask it and pursue. And also men should have that freedom to set back and be pursued. I really believe that. And I think that that's just something culturally that some, uh, some people and maybe older generations have a hard time with as men is like, no, these are the expectations of us. And I'm just sitting here saying, not always, babe. You know what I mean? Like you can let me help you. I would be honored to. And then I can receive help from you in ways that aren't just your masculinity, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was very cool to write it. Um, and it was very cool to write it with the gentleman. And at the end of the day, we just kept looking back at them and be like, would you say yes? And they're like, we would say yes. And I was like, okay, then we're doing it right. (laughs) I like that. I like that. So you're all covered up today. It's, it's like 30 something degrees in Nashville, (laughs) which for someone who lives in Tampa, I love coming to Nashville, but I'm eager to fly home to the, to the 80 degree weather tattoos. When people get on your social media, for those that are just being introduced to you for the first time, they'll see that this is a song that's obviously very personal to you. So just talk about the song tattoos anyways. Yeah. So I am covered in tattoos head to toe. Um, for anyone who isn't familiar with me, I have a throat tattoo. I have a little side face tattoo. I have my, both my arms are done everything. So all of that to say in this town, I have been very consistently pitched tattoo song ideas, you know, from other co-writers or maybe finished songs. And they've always landed somewhere very similar to songs that had been, been done before, like tattoos on this town, you know, or, or something like that and, or heart on my sleeve or, or something that was very cool, but it just wasn't alley. And, um, so we ended up on this incredibly kind of sexy narrative of tattoos and, um, your partner having tattoos and having tattoos and what that looks like. And honestly, it's just kind of a song to shout out the tattooed bodies out there, make them feel sexy, make them feel good. Um, and sonically it is, it is very different than what we do. Um, I partnered with a really good friend of mine, um, Dom and his, his, his kind of producer title is prod by Dom. And so anyone who checks out the artwork to this song, will see Ali Colleen and prod by Dom. So it was very much a collaborative project between his sound and then like my lyrics. Um, so I had finished the song and had it done all structurally before I brought it to Dom, but he definitely added kind of a flavor to it as far as how poppy this song is. So it sounds to me, and I'm looking for you to clarify this because it sounds to me like you're saying that he produced it and you wrote it by yourself. I don't know if that's the case. Cause I do want to hear about your songwriting process as well as if you'd ever do write alone, or if it's a case of no Bruce, this is Nashville. I'm required by local law to only do co-writes. <laughs> it does feel like that sometimes it really does, but no, I, I do write on my own. Uh, we, we put out an album in 2021 and there's one song on that album that was a solo, write, And it's called blame it on the weather. Um, and then on the projects coming up for 2024, there's one song that's a solo write as well. That's just me. But for the most part, you know, growing up in Oklahoma and writing by myself all the time, and then you move to this town and it's like, 
there are so many other narratives than just mine to add to these beautiful songs that we're writing. But to answer your question, tattoos, um, was me and Sarah Bryce. So the Uh, same writer of while we're still friends, um, and a woman named Delia Shane and a man named Will Garrett. And so we all sat down and wrote the song together. I brought it to the right and I kind of had the melody structured and I knew that I wanted a tattoo song. We weren't sure where it was landing. And then once we'd finished that, I just knew sonically this was something different than we had written before and that I wanted to go kind of a different way with how it was going to sound. And so that's when I took it to Dom and asked Dom if he would just kind of spice it up in Dom's way. And, um, it was very cool how it turned out. So tattoos is pretty obvious while we're still friends. You talked about the fact that, Oh boy, I think this is really very personal for me, but generally what does your songwriting process look like in terms of where the inspiration comes from the ideas and, and do you generally have a song started when you go into a write or is it all over the board? And sometimes it's just an idea. Sometimes it's a title. It's all over the board. I tend to stick to kind of writing with the same writers. Um, so I, I have my groups that I love to write with and that we write very well with and that they, they've kind of figured out how Allie would say something, you know? And so they're very helpful to me in that way. Um, but sometimes they're bringing in full verses and full choruses. Uh. And I'm just like, I love that. I love that narrative. That's something that matters to me. Can we write that? So sometimes I don't bring it at all. And then sometimes I bring just the idea. So honest man was something that I knew that was what the title was. And I knew that it was going to land on that hook of I'll make you an honest man Mm -hmm. by what you've told me you feel about me. I'm going to make you an honest man. So I kind of had that concept figured out, but we didn't know what it sounded like or anything. Um, tattoos again was a, a melody that I brought in and said, I really want a tattoo song. Could these live together? You know? And so we just talk about it. We figure it out and it's always different. There's really no method to the madness aside from just madness. There is always (laughs) madness. (laughs) Um, but it is always different and it's very cool how it, how it kind of turns out. And then as far as the narratives and what we choose, I look back again to little Allie and those songs that in my opinion, saved her and groomed her and Mm. made her care about this. And most of those were songs that made her feel incredibly seen, you know, and validated. And, and those songs that you would tell the writer, you don't know me, but you wrote that about me. Like that's, that's my Mm. song, you know? And so as much as I love to pull from my life experiences, I'm one that just goes and sits out in bars and just kind of listens to the table conversations around me and and just try to figure out what people care about right now and what people need Mm -hmm. and what needs to be seen. And then especially looking at contemporary music now and the narratives that are being chosen, what narratives aren't, you know, like what is not being said that someone out there sitting in their closet playing music today is really going to help them. And, um, might sound egotistical to think that we know what that is, but we try very hard to, to find narratives that will support people. Yeah. I love everything you're saying. The idea of what are people talking about? What do people want to hear? What means something to them? What's going to touch them? And then, you know, I was able to interview Jeffrey Steele this summer and Jeffrey said something similar, which was he'll get into a write and he'll listen to what everybody's saying about how it should be written. And then he says, what's a different way that we can say all that. So right. there's the obvious stuff that's going to land pretty low hanging fruit as they say. Yeah. And then there's what Jeffrey's pointing out, which is, okay, this is a good idea, but let's not say it so predictably. So I love all this stuff that you're saying. I do wonder, I introduced you as singer, songwriter, guitar player. Do you play any piano at all? Or maybe sometimes you tinker around and bring in No, no, I have taken songs 
previously that I had written on guitar and mm-hmm. know what those chords are because I, again, I wrote it and then go and just play with those single keys on piano mm-hmm. and kind of see if maybe the piano is maybe the catering instrument to this song. But as far as playing or chords or any kind of structural melody on anything, no, just guitar for me. Okay. okay. Um, my guitar's name is Betsy. We've been together a very long time <laughs> and, uh, she ain't going nowhere. What kind of guitar is it? She's a Takamini. Ah, okay. Okay. And I do want to give a shout out to somebody who is partially responsible for us being together today, folks. One of the many people that Allie has written with is Blue Foley, who is the guest on episode 434 of the show. I will put a link on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. So you can go back and listen to that conversation, which you won't be surprised to hear. Allie is highly entertaining. <laughs> I, I, I know Blue. I, I totally, I believe he's nothing short of entertaining all the time. It's kind of cool when I can tell a guest something about themselves that they didn't know. And in your case, here's what I'm going to try to surprise you with. Your official YouTube channel has a combined total of over 997,000 video views. So no way. is there maybe a video in the works that would be the one that will carry you through the milestone? of That a million? would be so rad. We would love to do a video for while we're still friends. Mm. Um, I think it would be an incredible narrative to add to the song. So I grew up from that music video era where you're going to get something from the music video that you don't get, you know, from the song lyrically, you're going to have a visual representation of what this song is actually about for the creators of the song. And so I think while we're still friends, obviously covers a wide range of relationship you know, just issues and struggles that anyone can have. For me, this song made me decide to end um, my marriage and and to go into that life of being a very young divorced person, which seemed Mm -hmm. very heavy at Mm -hmm. the time. Now it's just something that I think I was scared of being called, you know, divorced, ooh, spooky, whatever. But so our music video would really cater to that lifestyle, the lifestyle of, of two married people, you know, just realizing that this promise that they'd made is just not going to serve them. And so we would love to showcase that in a video. Girl, you have this storyboarded already. Like Mm -hmm. you have to make that video. This this has to to. be the one that puts you over a million (laughs) video views on your YouTube channel. I would love to. That would be an honor. That'd be awesome. (laughs) I'm joined today on location in Nashville by singer, songwriter, guitar player, Allie Colleen. Visit her official website at AllieColleenMusic.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Coming up, you will hear her talking about her newest single, a duet, The Christmas Standard, Oh Holy Night. Engage with Allie and follow her on social media. On her website, you will see links, logos, to help you find her easily on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. She is also on TikTok as well. There are also links on AllieColleenMusic.com to get her music from the likes of Apple Music, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Look for her music on Pandora as well. Some really cool merch on her website too, so be sure to check out the online store while you're on AllieColleenMusic.com. New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, Vermont, you are in luck as Allie will be performing as part of Lee Bryce's tour coming throughout the Northeast U.S. in February and March. Look for those six dates as well as venue and ticket information to go see her as part of those shows. 
We are all about to start being bombarded with talk of New Year's resolutions, whether we want to hear about them or not. If you are planning to start a podcast in 2024, call me for some help. I've been doing this every week for more than nine and a half years without missing once. Take advantage of all my experience doing this show so you can get out of the gate faster and avoid some of the lessons that I had to learn the hard way. There's a really easy way for us to connect and you can then use the same platform to talk with other experts from a wide range of industries. It's the Owl app, like the bird, except with two W's and two L's. The founder of the app calls it LinkedIn on steroids. I might call it the voice calls version of LinkedIn. Let me emphasize that you are calling people on there through the app. Nobody has to give out their phone number to talk to someone on there. Very powerful connections are being made on Owl. I got a client through there. I got a podcast guest through there. Check it out. Here is how on my podcast website, nhte.net, tap or click anywhere it says home and then read the article I have posted there under the headline, help now a phone um, app call away to learn more about OWL. I've also got links in there for you to download the app for free from either the App Store or Google Play. Plus, you will see my invitation code, which is a required field as you're setting up the app on your phone. Get on OWL and start on your way to making great new connections for your career. Allie, in doing my research for today, I turned up what looks like a trip you took to Greece this year. Was that just a personal, I need to take a vacation and get away from music getaway? Was it your first time there? Was it inspiring in terms of you can never turn off being a songwriter? And I did get some inspiration over there. I've been fortunate to go to Athens three times, but for the audience, let's hear about your trip to Greece. Uh, Greece was an incredible opportunity for me. There um, is a creative studio here in Nashville that I think was originally based out of, um, whether it's LA or San Francisco, I'm not sure, but they're called the boudoir divas Mm -hmm. and they're just a good friend of mine. And when they got their, um, home studio set up here in Nashville, they want to test the lighting, the drapery, all that stuff. They asked if I'd come over for just some headshots, whatever. And so that's how I got a relationship with a woman named Marissa who runs these, um, like week long photo shoots and they go over into different countries and stuff. So I went to Greece for a photo shoot. Um, I met eight other women over there that I didn't know. I went by myself and I just got to spend a week just kind of confiding in these women that were all there for the same thing that the same reason that I was, which was just kind of really doing something for yourself. Um, Mm. anyone who follows me on social media, I'm a big gym junkie. I love the gym. Um, I work really, really hard to, to create a platform of just body positivity for women and men. And, Greece was a really big goal for me. It was something I worked really, really hard for physically. Um, so by no means it wasn't just for pictures. It wasn't just for pictures. It was for just absolute, just pride and mental stamina and to be something that I was proud of and to show, you know, maybe in some kind of hope or way, maybe even show other women that you should be so proud of yourself. And every one of these eight women on this trip that I got to meet, I think I was the youngest one by maybe 10 years Mm. and then went up into forties and fifties and, and just every woman was there for the same exact reason, but for not the same exact reason at all, you know, just to, to put something into yourself as a woman. But were all of you told we're going there for pictures and this is what it turned into, or were you told in advance, like, look, this is going to be a real opportunity to kind of do some soul searching and to everybody was going for different reasons. A lot of the women had been photographers on trips before and just went as models for mm-hmm. this trip. Um, a lot of women were going to get pictures done for, um, their spouses and for themselves as well. And just to enjoy Greece. Um, I was going to really challenge myself physically to see how far I could get before the trip. I gave myself a year in advance to kind of get ready for this wow. trip. It was also my 27th birthday. So I got it for myself as a 
birthday gift um, and just really wanted to just go. Um, I have also a couple just physically limiting things as far as my health goes. Mm -hmm. And so when I entered into a world in these last couple of years where I'm alone most of the time, having previously had a partner, I was told there was a lot of things I couldn't do by myself. Mm -hmm. I can't travel by myself. I can't drive by myself. I can't do all these things. And I just wanted to, I wanted to see if that was true. So, um, I went to Greece by myself and, mm. uh, just worked really, really hard on a lot of things outside of my career. And that kind of doubled back That's into my awesome. career, obviously wow. in its own way, you. but it was amazing. Good and it was beautiful. You. Oh yeah. High five. That's awesome. It was absolutely wow. beautiful. Thank wow. you. Wow. That's great. That's great. So full disclosure, did you bring back a song idea or two? I wrote a good bit while I was over there. I really did. And and it was mostly when I write by myself now, I think that's why so few projects that are solo rights for me end up on albums because I don't know, sometimes those are just for me, mm -hmm. you know, and just that. So I wrote a lot over there and just stuff that I really cared about in the moment that I didn't feel like needed some kind of lasting permanent mm -hmm. thing on me, mm -hmm. just like mm -hmm. almost a free write, you know what I mean? How you journal and stuff like that. So it was very cool, but it was very much an escape as well from music for just a little while for me too. Back in the intro, I mentioned that you recently posted your Spotify wrapped numbers for 2023. Well, over 900,000 streams of your music on that platform alone. Congratulations. Thank you. I recently published a blog on the website. I called it, what is your definition of success? And by all means, 932,000 streams is absolutely success in my book. Are you thrilled with that? I hope, I assume, is it maybe, yeah, but wow, that sets the bar pretty high. And, and for that matter... Back when you first started into all this, could you have foreseen almost a million streams of your music in one year, not to mention almost a million combined video views on your YouTube channel? I really don't think that I did. But at the same point in time, it's again, this is something that I've cared about since I was a kid. So as much as I'm always just flattered and, and just honestly, just enamored by the fact that someone else cares about what I care about. I think that's so cool. And then there's this other part of me that's like, duh, of course I did that. This is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. I've worked my butt off to yeah, do this. If you're this. a goal setter. You know what I mean? And it's like, yes, this is going to, I work so hard at what I do in the sense of creating something that matters. And so as much as I'm always surprised that it matters to other people, that's the intent the whole time. And I'm so honored to, to get to see those numbers though. I don't think it's, it's too often that I look at the numbers. Yeah. And so to see that visual, that visual representation of this has not only mattered to you, but to over 900,000 other people, I think that that that, that means something to me. Yeah. And I can relate to that in a, in a similar way because podcasters are always accused of constantly checking their stats, constantly checking their stats. And I never check my stats. Mm. And on the rare occasions when I'll see, there was something that I put on Instagram a few weeks ago that Uzbekistan became the 163rd country that I've ever gotten listeners from in the nine and a half years of the show. And I think to myself, somebody in Uzbekistan set aside 45 to 50 to 60 minutes of their time to listen to my show. Someone in Sweden did someone in Thailand did, and it does make you it's go, incredible. well, I don't do this every week for myself. Right. You know, so I get what you're saying about, right. you know, well, that's why I'm doing this. So more mm -hmm. and more people can hear people like Ali Colleen and people like blue Foley and people like Jeffrey Steele, et cetera. Yes. But at the same time, you do have that moment where you go, I'm just some guy in Tampa that's doing a podcast and 163 countries have heard it. How cool is that? And thank you all that you make the time to listen. Cause that just means the world does creators Absolutely. that people want to hear the songs that you're singing and the songs that you're writing and the songs that you're going to go out and perform with Lee and everywhere else that you go. But you're also some guy in Tampa that was brave enough 
to start doing a podcast. You know what I mean? I think that that's, I think that's the largest difference that people kind of fail to showcase is just the bravery of just putting something into action, you know? And I think that that surprise and that awe when we receive is just as much of a, well, duh statement because you did it, you know, Mm -hmm. you tried. And I think that there's nothing wrong with that beautiful nine to five corporate life that some, that people fall into, but it's like, how many creative ideas do they have a day that they just don't have time for, don't, don't feasibly set out to do. And I think bravery is something that creators have. Yeah. And you and I are just meeting each other for the first time today, but I kind of had this vision of meeting you and you being someone who, would be thankful, but also would say, heck yeah, I did that. <laughs> like, of course I'm going to get 900 and guess what? Like, yeah, I set the bar <laughs> high, but that just means next year I got to get a million or more. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Tonight I'm headed to the local for the music row freak show. There are four or more songwriters playing who I know probably all of whom have been guests on this show. Allie, you have a cool story about that event in conjunction with your stones album. Yes. I love Freak Show. I actually played Freak Show last week yeah. um, and love Terry Joe, love that whole, that whole group of people. And so when we decided to put the album out, we put it out physically first, which I think was something different for kind of my generation of music. Mm-hmm. So we put out the album physically and then we started digitally releasing singles. And then in November of 21, when we decided to put out the whole album onto digital streaming platforms, um, the freak show allowed us kind of that showcasing moment to play, um, our whole album and to do a full band thing. And to wow. just have that community show up was incredibly cool because as much as people think you play in Nashville, this is a very hard town to do kind of band things. I mean, there's so much music going on every night, everywhere for free. So to, to get people to come to your thing, even though this event wasn't ticketed, it was still an original Ali Colleen set, you know, which most people are going to hear the top 20 downtown. So mm-hmm. it was very cool to see the Nashville community show up for me and to get, um, just recognition from them and also to share an evening with the freak show who has done so much for me and promoted me since I moved to this town. So Mm. it was incredibly cool to share that. And it's cool that you, I assume played the entire album, whereas sometimes you might go do a show and you might do one or two or three. And in this case, it's no, you're going to do all of them if you want. And we're not just going to do one or two or three. We did. The freak show gave us a, 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 I can't remember if it was a 45 or a 60 minute set, um, which again was very gracious for their entire night of scheduling. Um, and we got to go through the songs and play them and, and it was just incredible. It really was just, I felt very, very supported. That's so cool. That's so cool. And of course now it's a case of, we don't want to set a precedent here, but you're going, maybe I go back and do that again. I would be honored. <laughs> another, I would absolutely love release to. Of mine. We talked in the first half of the show about being a part of Lee Bryce's tour early next year. There's a statement about you that's written as follows. Quote, the room never fails to silence as Allie Colleen begins to sing about the layers of love and heartbreak that have shaped her. End quote. When you're on stage and that happens, do you feel the room going quiet or is it a case of, you know what? I'm so lost in the song. I'm so dialed into the lyrics that no, I don't necessarily, or am I wrong? And it maybe makes you feel a little more pressure knowing that they're hanging on your every word. I think silence is the loudest thing on this planet. You know what I mean? Like silence 
does this weird thing and kind of strips all the senses down to this space that you have in the room that isn't tangible, but you can feel it. And there's something about the energy that is sent up towards stage from quiet, silent audiences. And I think that that's something that, again, I'm so excited for looking forward to this tour with Lee being acoustic and these, these theaters and these rooms that are built for sound and hopefully being able to get that audience to just really hone in and focus in. And as much as I feel absolutely naked during those moments, I get really red, I can feel it, and I get a little nervous. It's also everything that little Allie ever wanted was for a room of people to just kind of shut everything off for a minute and live into the space that I've created and whatever the narrative is that I'm singing at the time. And so I just think it's, I think it's the coolest thing on the planet. I do find it to be a little daunting Um, and especially songs that make me feel exposed, like while Mm. we're still friends, while we're still friends makes me feel very exposed because I do have a slight shame that that relationship didn't work out. Like again, a promise was made and a vow was made that just didn't serve us. And I do feel shame towards that sometimes. And so when you sing a song like while we're still friends that you allow the audience beforehand to know what the song is about, which I intend to on this tour, that's incredibly naked to me. And as much as I am encouraged by that feeling because it does scare me, it scares me. I'm sure. I'm sure you wouldn't be human if it didn't. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of, I know you've played at the Bluebird. Mm-hmm. I, I love, one of the things I love most about going to songwriters festivals is the songwriters festivals that will designate certain venues as listening rooms. And I love that silence that you're describing. And, and yes. I, I had the opportunity to finally go to the Bluebird a year ago uh, when I was here. And so I can picture you, I know you've played there being up there and, and like you say, feeling that energy coming. When you at were you. at the Bluebird, were they, did they have it structurally set up to where it was four on a stage and you guys were all looking at them or were they in the middle of the room? It wasn't the, it wasn't the middle of the room. Wasn't the setup, the no. middle of the room one is so spooky because you are hit by silence <laughs> on all four sides. You know what I mean? And it's like, Oh, it's so, it's so different than that, that standard setting at the Bluebird, which is still very intimate. But I, I every time I hear that someone went to the Bluebird, I always ask that question. I'm like, were they in the middle or were they on the stage? As we start to wind things down, I would love to have a teaching moment for anyone in the audience who is an aspiring performer. Throughout our conversation today, we've heard about so, so much that you've accomplished. The almost 1 million streams on Spotify this year, the 1 million combined video views that you're about to hit on YouTube, the duet with Jelly Roll, the song with Lee Bryson going out on tour with him next year, the accolades that you've earned that I only scratched the surface of in the intro, I would think that as gratifying as all that is, once an indie artist starts to see that kind of success, they instead just feel even more pressure to keep that bar set so high or, of course, exceed it. What advice can you share in terms of how do you navigate all of that so you can enjoy all of your wins and not just be overwhelmed by this pressure that I'm describing? I think that... There's a lot of power, obviously, in the way that you look at a situation, because that's really all anything is, right? Is a personal perception of things, just life, the world, everything. So for me, we've talked about her a couple of times today. Little Allie means the world to me. And adult Allie might be like, oh, we're, we did not get the views on this video today that we got mm. last week when we posted at the same time on Tuesday. What are we doing wrong? Why is the content not interesting? What can I do better? Little Allie sat and made videos in her room that no one ever saw. You know what I mean? And she thought they were the coolest videos on the planet. You know what I mean? I had my own MTV world in there. You know what I mean? And so I think a lot of it goes back to her and just 
I think if you're going to be a performer and you're going to be bold enough to, to kind of try and be a perfectionist and try really hard to, to always do better than you did yesterday, I think you have to create that space that is nothing but gratitude. And little Allie is nothing but gratitude. She's just happy to be here. She doesn't even know how she made it this far and she doesn't care, you know? And so I think I, that's how I would encourage any performers is just remember why you started, you know, you didn't start because you reached 50,000 views last week on a video and you want to read, you, you started because you wanted one person to see the mm. video you were about to post. That should still be enough now. See, and the word that keeps swirling around as I'm listening to you is perspective. Perspective. That's what it is. Absolutely. Wow. wow. I know. And as much as it's, it's a lot of weight to take on, you are fully responsible for your perspective. Yeah. You really are. Yeah. Oh, so well said. So well said. We're going to close today with Allie's newest single, her duet with Jay Allen on the Christmas standard, Oh Holy Night. Allie, before I let you go and I play that track, share with the audience first all about this release, if you would please. Maybe when it was recorded, how or why it was with Jay, how or why it was this particular song that was chosen. Just any details that you can give us about this? I think prior to this project, um, Allie did not think she had anything to add to the world of Christmas mm. music. You know what I mean? I personally, as a consumer, I listen to just the traditional Christmas songs. Like mm -hmm. if I'm decorating at home, you did, I put on traditional Christmas Spotify playlist, whatever. So I didn't really think that I had anything to add to this world of, of Christmas music and covers and all of this stuff. And it wasn't until Jay Allen approached um, Jeff Hill, who is our booking agent, and was like, I'm looking for a female to do kind of a, a different version of a Christmas song, kind of a darker toned version of a Christmas mm -hmm. song. Um, Jay also has tattoos all over him and we kind of visually represent that same kind of tough kind of, um, outlaw country kind of vibe kind of thing. And so all that to say, Jeff Hill was like, what? I've got your girl. You want to do something haunting or spooky? I got you. <laughs> and so the, the project was kind of presented to me in that way, that there was an artist looking to do a different version. And we had originally talked about doing silent night, mm. which I think would be an incredibly cool, dark song. I think that would be cool, but we switched to a holy night and the whole process was easy to be honest. Mm. It was so easy. Um, an incredible producer, his name is Micah, um, did everything on his own. Jay and I came in to sing. Jay's incredibly kind. He's been very awesome to me. I am a fan of Jay's wife, Kylie Morgan. So it was very cool to get to meet that, that couple and, and to do this project. And so, Oh, Holy Night came out in on December 1st. And I think we recorded it maybe six weeks prior to that. But when you said we came in to sing, so I'm thinking of, I interviewed Bill Champlin, who was in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame mm -hmm. in Chicago for, I think, 28 years. And Bill talked about uh, the last unbroken heart, the song he did with Patti LaBelle, and he said, "Oh, we weren't, we didn't even record together." He said, "He said I didn't meet Patti until years later." Did you and Jay actually go to the studio together, or is it no? We, we just, did. We, we sang did. together on the same day, um, both in the same room. I sat in the room while he sang and watched him sing, and really focused on his tone and how he was kind of catering to his part of the lyrics wow. that we divided. And then um, I did my part, and he sat in the room with me and he listened. And then we kind of fed off of that. And I said, I think mm. it would be really pretty if you would sing this harmony here, where I did this, and I'll do this harmony here, where you did that. And we did it in probably two hours. We knocked it out very quickly. Mm. Um, and it was, again, it was kind of effortless and it was easy and it was just, it was genuinely fun and it was beautiful. And I think just, he would sing along just kind of harmonies in his head while we were listening back to what we had recorded. And that was how we decided how to layer it. It was very um, cooperative and it was very cool. Thank you for explaining all that, because that's actually a question that I've wanted to ask 
anybody lately is about harmonies is, mm. is at what point in the writing and or the recording process do harmonies get sorted out? And you're saying that at least in this case, y'all were there calling yes. them on the spot. In this case, we were very intentional on what we were going to do. Um, you, you'll notice in the, in the second verse where I'm singing, Jay only grabs one song or one word. He only sings harmony on brother. That's mm. it. And, um, that was a very intentional thought on us is just, that was his place to come in with me as a narrative to do this song together, but to also allow our artistries to have those separate parts in the verses. So it'll make more sense sonically, you know, when you kind of hear it, yeah. but that was a very cool process. And then, um, also just to kind of answer your question, usually when I go in to sing harmonies on someone else's song, I sing the harmony of every word through the entire song. I just do the mm. harmony top to bottom, verse, chorus, everything. Mm -hmm. And then the artist then goes back in with the producer and goes, I want her to have the harmony on this line mm -hmm. and then mute her on all these other lines. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And they get to pick and choose and puzzle it together. But Jay and I were very intentional on how we did this. Mm, so cool. Oh, this was great. This is great. Thank you for making time Absolutely. to be here. Really enjoyed it. And I Absolutely. appreciate you coming on now here, this entertainment. Absolutely. Honored to be here. Honored to be a part of what you've worked so hard to build. Thank you for Thank allowing you. me a Thank spot you. on it. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Allie. With that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, guitar player, Allie Colleen. Do visit her official website at AllieColleenMusic.com. As I mentioned earlier, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Allie's new single that you're about to hear, plus the others that we discussed from earlier in 2023, as well as her back catalog, you'll find on Apple Music, Spotify, Amazon. Links for all those are on her website, by the way. Look for her music on Pandora as well. Remember to check out the merch in the online store on alliecolleenmusic.com. There are CDs there too, by the way, in addition to apparel and novelties, accessories, you know, social media. Today, I followed Allie on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and I know she would appreciate you doing the same. There are links for all of those on her website. Plus, you heard about her YouTube channel. Do subscribe and then watch and like the videos on there. Remember that you can also find her and give her a follow on TikTok. Let Allie know you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. And again, February and March, she will be performing on tour with Lee Bryce, six shows in the northeast of the U.S. in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, and Vermont. Tickets are now on sale, so don't miss out. I do truly hope that you like this show, that you're enjoying what I'm doing every week on the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast. If you've made it all the way to the end, thank you for having stuck with Allie and I, and I'm going to assume that that means that you do like the podcast. You can take action to let me know that you appreciate the work that I do to keep making this show happen every week, every month, more than nine and a half years without missing once by going on my podcast website, nhte.net and then using the yellow Buy Me a Coffee logo that you will see there. This is not a sponsor. It's not affiliated with any brand or chain. It's just a fun way for you to send your support, your thanks to me, including a note that I will see when you utilize that option. You can also just head directly to buymeacoffee.com slash Bruce W. That's going to do it for episode 513. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Allie Colleen. This is the one she just talked about. It's her and Jay Allen doing Oh Holy Night. Oh Holy Night The stars are brightly shining It is the night of our dear Savior's birth Long lay the 
fear in the soul felt it worth a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices beyond the breeze a new and glorious morn oh fall Oh mm-hmm.